0: Death will come to us all. This is certain. And yet, there seems to be so much stigma, taboo, fear and difficulty surrounding this inevitable part of life. I'm Sultrim, and this is What About Death? Everything you wanted to know about death, but were afraid to ask.
1: Thank you for listening to What About Death? podcast, brought to you by karuna.org.au. As you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could follow, subscribe, and give us a star rating, hopefully five stars. We will be posting new episodes every two weeks, so be sure to check back and let your friends and family know where they can find us too.
0: In today's episode of What About Death, I speak with Simon Lowe about his fabulous card game he's called Carked It. Simon developed this, at times, very funny card game as a way of connecting people and opening the door to talking about dying and death in a light-hearted, fun and positive way. Death is certain. The time of death, however, is uncertain. But this lovely game will surprise and undoubtedly ease you gently and with humour into the important conversations that need to be had about the inevitability of our own death, before it's too late. So thank you so much, Simon, for joining me today on our What About Death podcast. I was very fortunate, I think, to discover your card game, your very unique card game called It," which is interesting, just an interesting title. So I'd like you to explain what it means for our many non-Australian listeners.
1: So it's a kind of slang term, a bit colloquial, around dying. So coming up with a name actually for the game was a whole process in itself. We wanted it to be light-hearted, not too serious, avoid the word dying or death. And so Carctit is basically Australian for you died. And so an example might be Simon was scuba diving off the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, he got strangled by an octopus and it, which means I died. So that's kind of and that's actually one of the cards in the game because I'm a keen sort of diver.
0: So we're going to get to that but um because I'm really interested in how you how you actually went about developing but where did the idea for this card game come from in the in the first place and and what was behind the motivation for developing the card game?
1: I'm the co-founder of a company called The Aging Revolution. We started back in 2016 and our mission was to look at aging from a strength-based perspective rather than a negative one, which is a lot of the rhetoric around growing older. And sort of through that and all the all the projects we're involved in, we, we met Taxi, which is the Australian Centre for Social Innovation. And they were looking at how networks can have impact on big problems. And one of the issues they were looking at was around end of life and how many people have just really bad experiences in the very last sort of days, weeks, months, years of their life through a number of reasons, and so um, there's a whole group of us that formed End of Life Network, that's now called the Good Death um, Impact Network, around how we can explore improving end of life outcomes for sort of individuals across Australia, and that's how the game arose. One of the uh, one of the problems that we identified was, you know, people don't talk about it. So I know we might talk about it later, but it's sort of people are allergic to growing older let alone dying. And so people just don't want to talk about it and put it off and put it off and put it off until it's too late. And then quite often, people don't have care plans in place or a will. People don't know what they want in terms of their faith or their wishes around being healthy and also how people what people want to do in life before they die. And so I proposed making a game. So I'm a big, I'm a big um, proponent of gamification and making games that have purpose and can create change because Nobody wants to talk about death if it's all super serious and you've got to fill out that form and fill out that form. And we were like, how can we increase conversations around it? And we thought, well, we we do it by making it fun, making it a bit more lighthearted. It's not taking away from the sort of seriousness of of what it is, but it makes it an easier and more palatable thing to talk about if you make it fun. In much the same way that Cards Against Humanity has kind of like, you know, people start talking about, you can talk about racism or sexism and all sorts of really serious topics by creating sort of like a bit more of a fun mechanic. And that's how. I came up, I proposed, why don't we make a game? And they basically came back and said, yes, let's make a game. And so that was how it all came about.
0: So then it, I mean, it can't have been easy. There's so many components to it. So how did you actually go about the development of it? I mean, even you've explained the the reasoning behind a card game, but how you actually play it, how did you go about developing the idea and getting it to a point where it was a playable game i'm going to get you to explain the game itself also but i'm just interested in how you went about developing it
1: good question so actually we initially wanted a digital solution we thought how can we have a digital solution that people can access to learn more about dying and death and so one of the things the aging revolution does and is core to the business all the businesses i'm involved with is we um co-design with people who have lived experience of the problem we're trying to solve to solve it so there's no point trying to create something that people aren't going to use or it doesn't work so we basically use the network so we we talked to the network about what the main problems you want to overcome how can we get conversations started Um, and the idea came around right well maybe conversations happen between people and it's much easier to have conversations between people if you're sat around a table over a glass of wine or after dinner rather than on a computer on a website on a website Playing a game, and so the that's where the idea of an actual physical game came from. It's like let's make a physical game rather than a digital one, and so that was one transition into right. We're making a physical game, and the next thing was like okay, how can it spark conversations? So I actually went to a few board game meetings in Brisbane where I was living, met someone called um, Hannah Ford Morgan who runs someone called Guildmaster Games, and we basically brainstormed ideas for a game together. And I always had an idea that it could be it was some kind of card game because they're easy and small to carry around and not complex. And also, there was a need for creating conversations using fun and humor, but also inserting serious aspects around dying and death that people might not know about, that people can start questioning. So we then took that to the Good Death Impact Network, and then all through this process, said, "Can you fill out surveys?" We made a we made a game that people could test, just using bits of paper, and then we tested it, and then I sent that out to the network, and they tested it, and they came back with all this feedback, and then we went through around six iterations of the game in various like you know, bits of paper, bits of card, and always sending it out to the Good Death Impact Network to play with friends and family. And that includes death doulas, people who work in palliative care, people who have lost people, nurses, doctors, funeral directors. And I also went and interviewed people. I went to a children's palliative care unit in Brisbane that does awesome work called Hummingbird House and spoke to them about gameplay and how how you can involve children. I talked I talk to kids. It was one of the interesting things was do we, prote- oh, we need to protect our kids from dying and death? And it turns out we don't at all. They're way more open to talk about it than adults. Some of the card designs were actually influenced by a friend's eight-year-old daughter who kept on asking me, would I rather get mauled by a lion or eaten by a shark? And I'm like, that's an, that's an interesting life dilemma you've asked me there. And so some of the cards are, would you rather cards? Like, would you rather? And then you have to explain it. So we basically, the, the, so Hannah and I came up with a rough mechanic of how it might work. And it was in around you know dying involves the bit before you die your actual death and then what happens afterwards and so that's how we broke down the game but then the actual cars themselves and some of the rules were all influenced by other people and friends and people who play board games we tested it heaps of times with them and you know eight-year-old kids who have a good idea. That was also in the game. So that's how we made the game.
0: It's wonderful to look at. The artwork is like really, really nice. Quite a beautifully designed game as well. So tell me about the game itself. Uh, Who plays it? Who is it for? And uh, what does one do in the game? So
1: you mentioned the artwork. One of the things we wanted this game to be was beautiful. Every card is a piece of art and can be a poster on a wall. And all the artwork was hand-done by an artist called Mickey Brogan. And she's actually going through her own experience. Her mum has terminal cancer. And so this is very close to her heart. And so this was actually quite a cathartic experience for her. And she did all the artwork. So I'd like to shout out to Mickey. The actual game itself is pretty much... We're targeting at anyone over 15. There are a few cars in there that are a little bit risky and a bit rude to make it even more fun. But anyone can play it. I've played it with 10-year-olds, families. And the idea is it's a after-dinner, in the afternoon or sit around with your mates with a few glasses of wine. I have a friend who's traveling across Asia at the moment, and he uses it to get to know people as soon as they meet them. Like You have people, 10 people sat around playing this game. Because at, at its core, the game is around starting conversations about who you are. So the mechanic basically is you pick a card from a pack called Die, and that's basically how you die. So you don't have any choice about how you die. It's random. And we kind of wanted to include that in that, we, that was on purpose because, you know, You never know when your number's up so to speak and we wanted people to think about that whole concept of like could be tomorrow could be 10 years time so you need to plan for it or think about it not when you're in your 80s and you think oh i might be dying now so you randomly pick a card, the way you die and there's a whole different bunch of ways they're all influenced by my own personal passions which is spearfishing and diving and ocean and then there's animals and then there's sets of cards around them confusing left from right forgetting the safe word you get run over by heavy machinery so we actually put a survey out there and we actually gathered hundreds and hundreds of different ways to die And we're actually going to probably start a campaign around that and then there's the cards that are split and you have to choose which way you die so one of them is like you know trampled to death by camels or eaten by orcas or tickled to death by a feather or bitten by sexy vampires and you've got to choose one and explain why so that's you get to know people a bit that one and the other ones have question marks on question marks also influenced by children they were like, what's the grossest way you can think of to die? Or what's the funniest way you can think of to die? And then you have to tell people what you think is the grossest or worst or best. And again, that's that sparks conversation. If, if someone has a card like, what's the best way to die? And someone says, you know, peacefully in your sleep. Or someone says, you know, jumping out of a plane and not landing without a parachute. You can start unpacking that and like, oh, really? I didn't know that about you. Why, that, why is that? And so everybody picks one of those cards and you die. Then you have a whole bunch of cards that's called um, live. And these are the cards that you want to do before you die. And so everybody gets five cards and everybody proposes from one of those cards what they think that individual wants to do before they die. And that could be anything from, you know, create an album, make a movie about my life, erect a statue of me, go on a family holiday, get tattoos, swim with dolphins, lots of aspirational things, do a road trip. Or, and it could be, there's also serious cards mixed up with that. So they might play a serious card depending on how well you know the individual, but it could be like do your will, donate money to charity, get an advanced care plan. And so even if the cards aren't played, someone is reading, get an advanced care plan. And we've had this in the gameplay and they'll be like, what is an advanced care plan? And so that's one of the objectives of the game is even if you're not playing the card in the actual game, it's in your hand and you start learning about, oh, I haven't got a will or I haven't got an advanced care plan. So it starts that thought process. And so everyone plays a card, the person picks their favorite, that gets put in front of the live card. And that, that rotates around the whole group until everyone's got one live card in front of their die card. And then if you have a long time and you're having fun, you can just go around again. So there's two live cards in front of the die card. Then you obviously die. And then you can actually create narr- – if you want to, you can go around again and create a narrative of your last sort of like days, months, weeks before you die. So you know you went on a amazing road trip with your best friend um, and then you sort of swam with dolphins and then you got run over by a forklift truck because you – I do know, you're in a car parking in Cairns and someone backed into you or something. You can just make up this interesting narrative. And then you replace all the live cards with buy cards, which is like, you know, goodbye cards. And this is everything you want to happen after your death. And so this involves things like, how do you want your funeral to be? You know, one of the cards inspired by my partner is like, there is a coffee cart at my funeral. Because if I go to a funeral, I want to have good coffee. <laughs> so... So that's a card. And then things like, you know, what kind of burial do you want? Do you want to have a mushroom soup buried at sea in a coffin? And then who reads the eulogy? Do you want to prank, you know, do you want to put a mobile phone and pretend you're not dead in your coffin and prank every all the guests? Do you want to donate your body to science? Do you want to have a statue erected about for, uh, to you is also one of those cards? Or do you want to have your family to have tattoos of you? Or do you want your, if you have tattoos, do you want them to be framed? So there's all sorts of different ways and things to do after you're dead. And then again, it goes around and they propose what they think based on how they know, well they know you, what they think you want. And then you pick what you want. And then you have a, a buy card. And then you go around the, around the group and everyone gets one buy card. Or if you're loving it, you go around and everyone gets two buy cards. And so at the end of the game, you might have one or two live cards, the how you die card, and then one or two buy cards. So three to five cards. And then someone, one or two people in the group might have a eulogy joker card. And if you have a eulogy joker card, you can play that at the end of, at the end of the game. So you basically can nominate two people to give you a eulogy and in under a minute. And so they can give your eulogy. Then you, that, in, and again, that in itself is a really fun thing to do. And what normally happens we found is that um, everybody goes, I'll do my eulogy. And so it ends up everyone doing everyone's eulogy. <laughs> um, and there's actually quite a few cards like that in, throughout the game where one of the cards is I want to be reincarnated when I die as um, an animal and what animal would it be and why. And then, so obviously as soon as someone says I want to be a, you know, I want to be a tiger, Everybody else wants to have a go, like, oh, well, I'd be a sea eagle. And so, again, it starts creating that conversation. So the whole game is designed to create conversation around, you know, favourite song, what song do you want to play at your funeral and all this kind of stuff. So then at the end of the game, there's a winner. But normally what happens is people have lost caring about who wins and just enjoy the, a robust conversation, which is the whole point of the game.
0: I mean, it's quite fantastic. And you've been talking about the fact that humour is a big part of this game you know, as you read some of the cards, it's, some of them are quite hilarious. So I'm just interested in your own view about how important humour is when it co- actually comes to reflecting on dying and death, because even though it is a, a very serious thing, humour is such a natural part of being human. So I'm interested in your, your view on that.
1: Uh, absolutely. I think it was our intention from the very beginning for it to be humorous. I think that was the idea of making a game. It was because the barrier to most ways you think of, you can talk about dying, you know, it's really serious. And it might be when a relative has, my dad died from motor neurone disease. So we talked about this kind of stuff all the time. And... It's not fun mm. to talk about dying in normal circumstances. But people, and this is one of the reasons the game exists, people leave it until someone is probably dying in your family or does need palliative care or you are caring for someone. And humor isn't go to emotion during those periods. It was a way to lighten the mood and start a serious conversation um, because humor is really, really good at that. Like, it's, re- it's a really good counter to serious stuff is to make light of something because we all die. I think sometimes we forget that. And if we could choose how we die, and if we have a good death. I'm sure most people would want that. But you have to start talking about it first. And humour's the really good mechanic to start that that conversation going. And that's why we use some of the cards, you know, from the sublime to the ridiculous ways of you could die. But there's also some really serious cards in there. And humour can counterpoint those. So things like one of the cards, one of the ways to die is alone in a care home. And I'm, I'm sure you remember that card. It's all doom and gloom and grey. And obviously that's not a funny card, but it sparks a very important conversation because it's surrounded by other funny moments and other humorous ways of being what you want to do so to us it was, it was vital that it was it was funny
0: so as you were doing the test runs how were you finding the feedback were people generally enjoying it was it achieving what you were setting out to achieve when they played the game
1: absolutely it was watching people play the game is actually one of the best things because people laugh and laugh and laugh and then they also have quite serious conversations around like Hey Dad, I'm assuming you've left me the house in the will. And he's like, uh, have I though? And so like, what do you mean, have you? Of course you have. And so so it does it really does achieve what we wanted to do. And it starts conversations. Like we had I was playing with a family and a nine-year-old went, Mum, what's an advanced care plan? And the mum goes, I don't know. she oh it's in my hand. I don't know whether to play the card or not. And they all looked it up and she was like, Oh, I haven't got one of those. I probably should get one because I have kids. And then you know, the cars around them, how do you want to be reincarnated or what do you want to do in your final days? People find things out about each other. They might not have found out about themselves. You know, and this is we're talking like really good friends and family or complete strangers. And you can start talking about death with a much more lighthearted viewpoint. And I think we've had people ask us as well. Oh, can I buy this guy? I, I, I find it really hard to talk to my parents about dying and death and them growing older. And this might be a really good way to do that. So they buy the game to actually say, I've got this game to play they almost like sneak attack parents or sneak attack their friends with this game and go like, so let's play this game. And then they find out what it's about. But then because it's funny, no no one minds. So it actually does have the effect. You know, ideally we'd have everybody buying this game. So
0: So what do you think, just through your own reflections, and I I want to talk about the ageing revolution as well, but what are your thoughts on why it is that we want to avoid this topic of dying and death?
1: I think it's because we, we aspire to stay youthful forever. Aging's bad. The language is very divisive around, you know, the them and us, especially with how people you know, how people look. Don't grow old, don't get grey hair. And I think the whole idea of ageism, Ashton Applewhite, sort of talking about, you know, ageism, ageism is basically prejudice against our future selves, but we do it yeah. all the time. And then there's also a really good book called This Chair Rocks. That's the one by Ashton Applewhite. Sort of a manifesto against ageism, I recommend reading that. And it's this whole idea of aging and words like decrepit and the grey tsunami, and I think people are just terrified of it for some reason, because it it sort of simulates decline, and even the whole word retirement is very much a word where it's like, well, you're retired now, so you're useless. And the whole language around and this is why we started the ageing revolution, because the language around it, the rhetoric around it, you know, how it's spoken about is negative, so no one wants to age because they're told it's awful. And then sometimes you get illness, and it is, but most people die at home not in an aged care facility, and lots of people... Um, in their 70s and 80s are still running around doing useful things and being joyful and experiencing the world. And I think we don't hear those stories very often. And so because of all this, at the end of all this, obviously, is the death moment. And so we don't even talk about it. And one of the really interesting things about the game was it was automatically assumed that, oh, we all talk about death when we're older. It's like, yeah, but we've met people who have lost children with leukemia or who have died in a bike crash when they're 24. It's like death comes at any age. And I think it should be something we talk about in our culture. I think other cultures talk about it way more. So, you know, First Nations people. We're talking to a company in Mexico, actually, about making a Mexican version of this game. People in different cultures, death's part of it. And it's celebrated. You know, your ancestors are celebrated. And your sort of transition to whatever else you believe in is celebrated. And so you talk about it, about what you want to live and how you want to die. And we just don't. Because I think it's something we just want to put in a box over there and ignore it until we have to deal with it, as opposed to sort of stop questioning it and thinking about it more.
0: I mean, it's such an interesting subject. I mean, ageing generally and this discrimination that occurs as we get older, we actually can't avoid it and age... Isn't so much a consideration because, as you say, we can we can die anywhere along the time continuum. But how do you think accepting this notion of the inevitability of death can contribute positively to challenging this idea of ageism?
1: That's a big one, eh? From a psychological and social point of view, I think it'd make people live their best life more. I think. I think the problem we have with aging and dying is people go oh, i'll work my whole life and it's a system it's a system's been set up for this i'll work my whole life i'll retire you know i'll put in inverted commas there in my 60s late 60s and then i can you know do what i want for the next 10 or 20 years and then i'm dead um, as opposed to well you might get hit by a bus tomorrow or be struck down with an illness you should be living your best life all the time now so i think it, you know it might make people kinder i also think it make people look at i think it would change the medical world in terms of you know you look at a more holistic approach around how can you actually be more healthy all the time. Like being strong is something, you know, a lot of the work we've done around growing older, I think one of the biggest things I've learned is like just stay strong to, you know, prevent falling or <clears throat> going to hospital. So I think the inevitability of death, I don't, I think it would make you, I don't know, wake up every day and breathe the air with a bit more gratitude. I think it'd make people more grateful. I think if we, if we kind of took that approach, it also might stop the ridiculous accumulation of wealth of some yeah. individuals. It's like, why do I need $10 billion when I'm going to be dead anyway? It's just like the question again, how accepting the inevitability of death can contribute positively to ageing? I think you can start having better philosophical conversations with the economic structures we have in place and health and all this kind of stuff that hopefully would lead to change. But So I think that's what else it would do.
0: So tell me about the ageing revolution and what you're trying to achieve and what other sort of projects do you get involved with? So the ageing revolution...
1: We started in 2015. So my partner, Leonie Sanderson, and I used, to, I used to run seniors' car for New South Wales government, and Leonie ran an office for seniors in Queensland. And we were like, something needs to change around the system. So we wanted Aging Evolution to be like an action-orientated, let's do stuff to change stuff. But we didn't know where to start. So we basically we self-funded a five-month road trip around Australia running storytelling events and inviting anyone who had a story who wanted to talk about what it's like to grow older or age in this location just to come and tell a story so we did that um all the way up east coast and through the northern territory and down through south australia and came back and sort of um did some consulting work and then thought we need to start making things that can actually impact people's lives and then we kind of just look at getting involved with projects on how we can sort of shift the narrative of what it's great to grow older so that things include like being creative we had a friend called luke Eskam who was told I think it was in his early 30s. He was too old to be like a famous pop star. I'm like, that's ridiculous. And then he met a guy called Leon. And so this guy called Leon had lots of stories to tell and was an amazing s- songwriter and singer. So we crowdfunded for Leon to make his first studio album. And we put that out. So we became like record producers and made this amazing album. And the stage name's Grindhouse Screech. And it's a really good story. We got onto the ABC. And we used that as a vehicle. I mean, we're, we're looking at how we could actually create a whole project around older people who are creative or musical and like start recording songs and albums because it's not just a young person's game. Like Older people are just as creative and why aren't we hearing more and more music? So, other, so obviously we've got Cartit, which is the card game. Through the development of Cartit, the actual card game, we actually started developing three or four other games just because we had the ideas to do it. None of them have been released yet, trying to figure out how we do that. One's called My, my Pod, which is basically my place of death. Um, we wanted it to be a virtual reality game where you could design your own room, you die in. And through the process of that, you can actually start, people can start understanding what you want. So, you know, on the wall, there'd be books with your family recipes in or your favorite authors or your favorite books. And then the music on the radio would be the, your favorite music. The view from the window would be the favorite place of your favorite view. So you start creating your perfect space to die in. And through that, you actually start and you share that with all your family and friends. And so people can start understanding your wishes and what you want and things you want to hand down. And then, you know, there could be a, a virtual safe in a wall where you go, you'll keep your will. So that was another thing. And we also made a game around a digital app around, a fun game around caring, around who in your sort of network would be willing to do what in your care needs. And that was another fun game. So creating games is something we want to get more, we want to do more of, but it's just obviously funding is the issue for that. We have launched an, a website called PickMe, dot au, And this was um, actually, a result of promoting our mobile app when we did, and then finding out that the stock image libraries of older people are just awful. I think they've got a lot better since we did since we did this, but generally, I have to tell friends of mine who are like I don't know Asian and or part of the uh, LGBTQ plus community. It's like when you t- as soon as you turn sixty in Australia, I've just got to let you know that you turn white and heterosexual as far as the stock image libraries are concerned. Person of color or a gay person in any stock image library who's over 60, you can't. So we actually created a project, we paid professional photographers to go take pictures of people across Australia and create a diverse, the idea was to create a diverse stock image library of people over 55. So the imagery of growing older used by advertising and marketers was different and varied and shows different people and how the breadth of sort of like difference and knowledge of older people rather than just the stereotype white person in pastel colors on the beach. And it, that kind of like morphed into a bit of more of a showcase exhibition online. So that's online now. We've had a few people reach out to us from UK who really like the projects. And I think one of the things that we most like, because we work for from a young photographer, is you often get these pictures of like old hands with young hands and the old hands look all feeble and like, you know, you know exactly the kind of images I'm talking of. We actually kind of like flip that. And we've done a whole series of hand pictures with all the people of hands doing stuff like making boats, DJing, playing guitar, doing pool. So we have a whole hand series that like flips that narrative. So we've done that. We're really keen on exploring. So we, the other company I have makes virtual reality. So we're looking at exploring virtual reality around creating empathy and care facilities. And we're currently looking for a partner in that kind of like space around training carers and people on what it's like to be ignored with your own decisions. And so putting people through virtual reality. And we actually did a A project in partnership with QUT, where we took virtual reality to aged care facilities and put residents through VR, and it was really successful. And it brought huge joy to people. They could either go back and see a place where they had previously visited, or they could try something they'd always loved doing, or they could try something completely new. We had someone who was afraid of the water suddenly want to go scuba dive on the Great Barrier Reef, and we could we enable that through virtual reality. And you know the. The story i tell everybody is we had someone in palliative care who wanted to swim with dolphins before they died it was never going to happen in real life but they they did it in vr and her and her daughter both shed a tear and then she passed three days later but had a very joyful moment so we try and look we, we are exploring how technology can impact growing older and things like ai and all that kind of stuff
0: so we do a lot. So tell me about how you think this work has influenced your own view of whether that's aging or living or dying or death. I've obviously done a lot of different things, uh, engaging with older people. So how has that influenced you? Look after your body. I think is
1: is probably the top thing I think of now in terms of something I can do myself for me. The one you know one of the things we've learned is like stay strong, stay fit. You can avoid falling over if you can avoid going to hospital that really helps with growing older well i think in multi-generational communities and having friends with different generations we meet, we meet lots of people you know where the friendship groups is a very narrow band of age and um so we are really lucky so you know we employ people who are in their early 20s i hang out with my son's mates who are sort of like 18 19 and my friend's children all the way up to you know people in their 80s and 90s so i think a breadth of variety in your friendship groups, I think, is really valuable, and that's that's something that I've learned through the work. I've always been a bit of a fatalist when it comes to my own death. I thought I'd be dead when I was. I used to do lots of crazy sports, so in my twenties, I thought I'd be dead at thirty. I think in my thirties, I thought I'd have drowned by the time I'm forty, and now I'm forty-five, <laughs> and I'm still here. So I've always tried to live life as fully as I can, and I think that's something that just is round home when you're doing this kind of work. And I think the other thing we've, is it's difficult. So Leona's mother's older and my dad, like I said, was ill. And actually, there's lots of really nice people who want to care for people. But some of the systems around it are quite quite difficult to navigate. So they're kind of like just some takeaways I have.
0: And was there something that was a catalyst that drew you to working in this particular space?
1: Yeah, it was working for Seniors Card. I was brought into Seniors Card in New South Wales to sort of look at how we can actually It was like, how can we actually provide better services and products to the older people? And so that's kind of where my interest was. I thought, I really don't like people that kind of take advantage of people. And I think lots of older people get taken advantage of in terms of financial institutions. you know. And so I ran my first storytelling event through Seniors Card. And because I think at the same time, I'd also done a leadership course with a Benevolent Society um, around social problems. The two happened perfectly in terms of running Seniors Card, doing this big program around adaptive issues. And I thought, well, aging's aging is a real big problem we're going to have in our country. If we rely on the systems we currently have, we need to look at things differently and be inclusive rather than divisive in our language and our thought and our processes, which is why we started the aging revolution. We thought we need to do things better. Maybe we were naive at the time. We were like, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's do something. <laughs> we don't know what. We're just going to do it. And so we actually, the whole idea was like, right, let's just start the aging revolution. And we like, what do we do? And like, okay, the first thing you've got to do if you want to solve a problem is talk to people and like, all right, let's do a road trip. And that's how we started and that's that's how we got into it and we've always been into it since.
0: So then having been involved like this now for quite a long time, what do you feel that we can do either as individuals or as community or as society to ensure that we do actually value ageing and value dying and death rather than only what appears to be valuing, you know, youth and longevity?
1: Well, I think we've got to change what we define as successful, really. I think we define success as something that's money or aesthetic and all these things that are associated with youth, maybe, and wealth. And look at in terms of like knowledge, wisdom is much more important. Passing on knowledge is something, one of the foundations we had, it's why we started doing a storytelling event, was around this whole idea that we should be respecting our elders and the knowledge they have and also growing older should be cherished like it should be it's a privilege how long we live these days into our 80s i think what 82 83 is the average lifetime now it's just like we spoke to a mother in darwin actually i remember and she had a child and she said aging's a privilege my husband died two weeks ago and he was 41 or something and so i think we need to look at this whole idea of aging's a privilege dying's inevitable but we need to like value how we go through life because we live our life so fast at the moment and it's always, you know, can I afford this? Can I afford that? We kind of like just exist at the moment rather than actually thinking about what living is. And I think maybe if you start thinking about it from the other end about dying, you kind of like might reverse that a little bit.
0: Well, look, it's been a delight uh, talking to you. I really appreciate your time, Simon. Uh, the card game is called Carked and the Ageing Revolution is uh, quite remarkable, the sort of things that you're doing. So I really wish you all the very best with your ongoing work. It's amazing and I think it's really very important work because I think this whole notion of ageism and this lack of value around ageing and dying and death is really sad and I think it, it sort of stops us from really relating to each other and to society in a much... Nicer way,
1: yeah. <laughs> could, could I just add one thing? Is, um, if you, in Australia and New Zealand, you can buy the game online. If you're listening to this and you're overseas, we can get it to you. Pop me an email.
0: Wonderful. All right. Well, look, thank you very much. My determination is that we are going to play it here at Karuna. So the staff here, one day we'll, we'll have a drinkies on a Friday or something and we'll all sit down and play Cacton. I think it would be great. So I, be I hope lots of people do go out and buy it because it's actually a really important conversation to have. And I wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. Bye.